Matthew 5.43, it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Today we're going to learn how to love our enemies. Amen. This is a command. This is, this is a word you might have skipped by or forgotten, but it is there. It says, love your enemies. It says, it's basically saying the world's way says, hate your enemies. You don't got to love your enemies. Love those who are nice to you. But, eh. but I say, God says, my way is different. I want you to love your enemies. And when you do that, you will be children of your father in heaven. Another translation says, love, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And that's how people will know that you are children of God. That's how people will see a difference in you. That's how people will see a love that they have not seen. The world has love. There's tons of love. But it's not the love of Christ. It's not real love. It's not unconditional love. The way people can see Jesus' love through you and see that it's different from other love they've experienced, love from their family, love from their boyfriend, girlfriend, spouses, children, is when they see this unconditional love that you would even love your enemies. That's what God is saying. We need to reveal God to this earth, and this is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is the, the summary of how we reveal God to this earth so people can know him and be drawn to him and find him and know that he's a God of love is simply when we love, loving God's way. Love our enemies. Bless those who persecute us. Amen. So today we're going to learn, I mean, maybe you read that scripture before, but maybe you find like it's impossible for you. Maybe you don't know how you're supposed to do this because you feel like you can't. Maybe you feel helpless. So I'm going to help you today. I'm going to share this teaching is to help you to open your eyes in the spiritual realm to help you to be able to love your enemies. Now, one, one of the reasons why it's really hard for us to love our enemies is that when, when people do bad things to us, we feel like it's not fair, right? That's the natural feeling. Like, how come you can do something horrible to me? I did nothing wrong. I'm innocent. And nothing happens to you. And you just get to do whatever you want. And you can do that to other people now, too, and just get away with it. That's not fair. There needs to be justice. Am I right? That's kind of how we feel inside. And this is the biggest reason why it keeps us from really, genuinely loving our enemies. So I want to help you out with that. It says in Romans 12, 19, this is the amplified version. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. This is New Testament, by the way. Leave the way open for God's wrath and his judicial righteousness. For it is written in scripture, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if you're, and, and I'm going to read the Passion Translation right now, uh, the same verse. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. 
For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. So our God is a God of justice and his justice does not fail. It's perfect. God's not sleeping. He sees it all. He sees everything. And he is a God of justice through and through. Now, a big reason why we feel like, man, we need to make sure justice is done. We need to make sure the truth is known and the truth is known that our enemy did this bad thing to us and we're innocent, all of this. The reason we feel that way also is because the world's justice system is flawed. There's discrimination, there's bias, there's racism, and we're just humans. Um, I've seen documentaries and news stories of people falsely accused of murder. It happened in LA, I saw something, I think it, it, somebody, some guy was at a Dodgers, Dodgers game, and that's how they were able to prove that he wasn't a murderer. This happened in LA, I just came across that this week. I, don't, I think it happened years, many years ago, but anyways, like that's our world, where our justice system is flawed. And so we can't depend on America's justice system, the court system. We can't depend on the world's justice system. We go to different countries, whatever country you're from. You can't depend on that. And that's not a great feeling, right? Because you could be innocent and you could be seen as guilty your whole life. And no one could ever know the truth. But our God's justice never fails. And how do, but how do we receive God's justice? is by serving him. When we give our lives to him, when we serve him with all our heart, this is where we reap the abundant life that Jesus paid, a cross for, paid on the cross for us, which includes so many things many of us are not aware of in the body of Christ. There's so many rewards, there's so many benefits, there's so many supernatural blessings that come with what Jesus did on the cross for us that comes when we give our lives to him wholeheartedly surrender and serve him not just be a lukewarm christian you can't access things being a lukewarm christian you can't access these things not being fully surrendered to god but when you are fully surrendered to god you access all of this abundant life and that abundant life includes the justice of god over you that's why no matter what it is in in life we don't have to be worried uh, that we will be unfairly uh, or accused of something we didn't do and no one will ever know the truth. We don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid that we'll be thrown into jail and, be, and to, to somebody thought we did something we didn't do and no, the truth never comes out. We don't have to be afraid of that. Why? Because our God's justice never fails. It never fails. Amen? Hallelujah. God is so merciful, he's full of forgiveness, he's full of compassion, but these things come with repentance. We have to actually turn to Jesus to receive these things. So there could be enemies in your life that are not repenting or not turning to Jesus and the wrath of God will come. There will have to be some pain, as it says. And even when, even when your enemies repent, even when your enemies are Christians and messed up and repented, there is a principle in the Bible of sowing and reaping that is just a law in the spiritual realm. And we can't, we can't get away from. What you sow, you will reap. And this is common sense. 
and this is like we we it's it's inevitable. If you if you disvalue somebody, disvalue will come to you in some way. Through someone will disvalue you. If you be angry, lash out, speak mean to somebody, somebody's going to be angry, lash out to you. If you gossip about somebody, somebody's going to be gossiping about you. If you try to steal, if you steal something from somebody, something's going to be stolen from you. If you try to, if you do somebody wrong in some way, somebody's going to do wrong to you. If you're withholding from God, you are not going to, you're going to have financial problems, for example. This is a law in the spiritual realm. It is a principle. The Bible says God is not to be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So I want you to understand something, first of all. Number one is that when enemies do you wrong, do you harm, you need to stop thinking that they can just get away with it. The truth is that when they do you wrong in the spiritual realm, it's like they're, they are reaping exactly what they did towards you, but worse, because you're innocent, and God will lift you despite all of the damage that was caused. Where harm will be caused to them, but there won't be the grace of God and the lifting of God upon their life. But we forget this, or we don't realize this in the spiritual realm. And so all we tend to see is, that's unfair. They need to know that I'm right. They need to know that I'm in the right. They need to know that I'm innocent. They need to know what this person did to me. We, that, that, that heart of justice kind of comes up. We need to be still and let God fight our battles for us. We need to be still and let God do, be the justice, the God of justice. We, we don't have that right and authority to, to be a judge. We were never given that. We were all sinners. We all needed God's forgiveness, all of us. Yes, other people have done worse things maybe than you have done, but we were all sinners and we all needed God's forgiveness. We were not born perfect like Jesus. That's what gives God the ability to judge. God's the only one that can rightly judge. It's like they don't just put anybody in the seat of the judge in the courthouse in the world, right? No, but they, the qualified one, the one that will really be able to judge without bias, maturely, and really look through the evidence, that person gets to be the judge. So that's how it is with God. We cannot be the judge. We think somebody did so much wrong to us when we might have done worse to other people before we were saved or after we were saved. We are in no place to be the justice person, the judge. That's just not our role. And so there's something we really need to understand is that we need to really stop with that, not even go there in our mind like justice needs to happen, and just let God be the God of justice. Just trust him. Just You need to know that God, he sees when you serve God, he is on your side. There's nothing more powerful in this world than having God on your side. He's on your side. 
when people come against you, enemies do bad things against you, God is on your side. He will lift you in due time. Amen? And it says in the Bible that he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. That's our God who's on your side. He prepares a table for you, meaning blessings and blessings and reward for serving him is at this table. And he makes sure the enemies can see it. Hallelujah. Amen. So we got to first understand that our God's justice is perfect. And A, we can just rest. We don't need to be worried like, are they going to rape anything? Are they going to get away with it? I'm looking at their Instagram. It doesn't look like it. It looks like they're soaring. What's going on? We don't need to do that. Just rest. And know that God is the God of justice. Somehow he's up to something. Somehow there will be a reaping. And somehow God is going to lift you, clear your name, and make it seem that he is with you. God's timing is different than ours. Many times we want it to be sooner than God's timing. Joseph had to sit there in the prison for a while. But in God's perfect timing, he raised him up, and it was seen that God was with him. And his enemies, his own brothers, came begging him for food. And he was in the position to give them food. It was seen. We have the word of God to show us that our God is a God of, of justice. Amen. Um, so I want to share you some examples of what you sow, you will reap. Uh, so Saul tried to kill David. He sent armies after him trying to kill him because David did not do anything wrong, but it made David look like suspicious. Why does he want to kill him so bad, you know? So imagine David's, that's going through David's mind, like, this is so unfair. I was only a blessing to him. I was playing a harp, and demons are being cast out of him, and he's sending armies against me, and his armies are willingly trying to kill me? <sighs> that's not a, a great place. He had to trust the God of justice. Amen? But God stood with him. Saul could never kill him, and Saul tried to kill him, but instead Saul ended up being dying in the battlefield. So what he sowed directly, he reaped. You see? And then we see Judas, he betrayed Jesus. He actually was the one that put things into motion for him to be crucified. So he was directly responsible for getting Jesus to be killed. But after he did that, Judas opened the door for a demon of suicide. So what we read in the Bible is that he hung himself. So what happened was that door was open when he sowed that bad seed. A door was open for demon of suicide. And the demon of suicide just ran in his head rampant until he actually listened to the voice and killed himself. So you see how he directly reaped what he sowed? David, King David, King David, he, he ended up one time seeing his like friend and one of his best soldiers 
he saw his wife bathing and he slept with her and ended up impregnating her. And um, what happened was he was trying to cover that up. So he knew that he had, he, he, he decided he wanted to kill, Uriah was his name, the husband of the woman he slept with, who was his good friend and best soldier in the army. So he even, in 2 Samuel eleven fifteen it says, he commanded this to his, his army, put Uriah in the front, in the face of the fiercest fighting, then draw back from behind him so that he may be struck down and die. So David literally schemed, planned to have him killed. And so he ended up repenting to God. There's some who will do bad, evil things. Some of your enemies will do bad, evil things, and they won't repent. But there will be some of your enemies that will do bad things to you, and they will repent. And whenever, nobody's too far gone. When we repent, God will forgive. And God can still use that person. And that's what happened with David. He still ended up using David. David still goes down as the man after God's own heart. After the horrible thing he did, there was, there was um, redemption. There was restoration because he truly repented with his heart. It says um, in 2 Samuel 13, 3, David said to Nathan, who's a prophet, I have sinned against Yahweh, against God. Nathan said to David, Yahweh has also forgiven your sin. You shall not die. But because you've utterly scorned Yahweh in this matter, the son born for you will certainly die. Then Nathan went to his house and Yahweh struck the child that the wife of Uriah bore for David and he became ill. Now this is Old Testament, so we have the grace of Jesus now. So the wrath of God isn't, isn't the same as the Old Testament, but the principle of what you sow, you will reap, still remains. Amen? But did you see how David, he killed the father, and then death came upon his child? You see the sowing and the reaping. Okay? I share, with you, I share this with you now so you can, this is going to help you rest. Because justice is a good thing to have in your heart. That's, our God is the God of justice. Amen. And it's not a good place to feel like think people can just do whatever to you. What's the point, you know? It's not a good place to be. So t it's time today for you to have confidence in our God and just rest. And just know that God is truly fighting your battles for you. God is truly vindicating you. People aren't just getting away with what they did to you. They may be showing that their life is great, but secretly they are tormented. They've opened up doors for demons and secretly they're tormented. They could be having nightmares all the time. They could be having voices of condemnation probably all the time. That, and on top of that, they're not doing the principles of reaping abundant life from God. So things can look great on Instagram, but really they could be struggling in life a lot because they're not sowing the good seeds to reap the supernatural blessings from God. Oh man, God loves everybody even when you make mistakes, but if you're not sowing good seeds, he can't pour his supernatural blessings upon your life. You have to sow good seeds. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's number one. For you to understand that God is a God of justice, you don't have to worry anymore. He's got it. 
In his timing, truth will be revealed. In his timing, it will be seen that God is with you and people cannot just get away with bad things they do to you. So you don't need to take it into your own hands anymore. That's what that verse says in the Passion Translation. Um, do not be obsessed. Do not be obsessed with taking revenge. Do not be obsessed with wanting, wanting this person to reap bad things, you know? Don't be obsessed with it, but just rest and let God be the God of justice. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Aww. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so now we understand that God prepares. It says, it says, Psalm 23, 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So this is what God does, just like he did for Joseph. Like, Joseph was lifted to the second highest position there could be in that land, in that country. And his own brothers, who tried to kill him, then sold him into slavery, had to come to him for help. And not only that, saw him at this high place. Saw that God was with him. So God is going to prepare this table in the presence of your enemies. Um, but there's something more that we need to understand. It's not just like... Aha, you can see God is with me, you know, but it's more of, you know, the Bible says God lifts the humble. He lifts the humble. So the point of God preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies, for them to all see, is not to like laugh at your enemies and say, ha ha ha, see, you know, but actually it's so that people can see the glory of God through you and that people can see this is the way to true life. By your example, God prepares a table for you. He brings you all these blessings and favor and lifting in life. He does that to those of you that are really surrendered to God, serving him with a pure heart, who are representing him well. So, he lifts you, and people all the while have been watching you. People all the while have been seeing how you responded to your enemies. They've seen how you just are pure in heart, how you've shown mercy, compassion, and grace to those who are mean to you. They've been watching you. They've seen you have a pure heart. And now on top of that, they see all these blessings upon your life. It's like God is putting a spotlight. I am with this person. And this is the way to to have God on your side. This is the way to reap all these beautiful blessings and have God lift you for his glory is to be pure in heart, is to love your enemies, is to be gentle and kind and merciful and forgive and have compassion. This is the way to fully surrender to Jesus, obey him in everything, be not of the world at all, but look like, be like Jesus. This is the way. This is the way. Amen? So, I mean, that's the purpose of it. God lifts the humble, not just so you can, like, laugh at your enemies. God doesn't prepare the table just so you can laugh at your enemies. But as an example, this is the way. It's not the way to accuse and slander and gossip about people. 
this person didn't do that and I lifted them. This is the way. Learn from that. We become examples for the people that were our enemies so that they can repent and learn from our example. Amen? So it says in, in Romans 12, 19, this is the Passion Translation. It says, this is what I read before. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And if, you're, and if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, his or her conscience. And God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. So it says, your surprising generosity will awaken his, his or her conscience. Whenever we face attack, whenever we have enemies and such in life, we need to really go in the spiritual realm and remember why we're here. We are not here to have ego. We are not here to have everyone be seen that we're in the right. We're not here for that. We're not here for people to look at us and say, wow, that person's amazing. We're not here for that. We are here to lead people to Jesus. We are here to shine so brightly for Jesus. We are here to emanate God's love, mercy, forgiveness. We are here to be the light that looks so different from the world. That's why we're here. So listen, man, when we have enemies coming against us, this is such a great opportunity to shine God's light. We take it too much personal so, so much of the time. We are not here for ourselves. We are here for Jesus. We are here to lead people to Jesus. So when we have an opportunity to love when it's hard, to be merciful and kind and generous to our enemies, this is actually exciting. This is how God can be revealed to people like our enemies like never before. And so this is what this says right here. Um, if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness, for your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. So your enemy was jealous of you, maybe, envious of you, just doesn't like you, and so maybe they falsely accused you, they did bad things against you, they gossiped about you, uh, and they're expecting you to come right back in the same way. But instead, you buy them a lunch. Instead, you say nothing bad against them. Instead, you bless them. You love your enemies, and you bless those who persecute you. And what does the word say right here? It says, your surprising generosity will awaken his or her conscience. You see how different this thinking is? We're so into ourselves. God, they need to see you're with me. No, they need to, they need to find Jesus. Do we have a heart for all people? We should have a heart for all people, our enemies or not. We should have a heart for every person in this world to not go to hell. 
But to know Jesus, whether they've done us wrong or not, we should have a heart for them. Sometimes I think we need to think about hell. And do, do we, do we, can we have compassion for people? Do we really want people to go there? No, it doesn't matter the wrong they've done us. That's horrible. We've all done wrong. That could be any of us. So we need to see people with this compassion. We need to see spiritually. This is a moment for their conscience to be awakened. This is a moment for them to see, wow, I didn't deserve this kind of love. This is the love of God that I once knew and I forgot for a moment and I became so in myself and got jealous and I did bad things and this person didn't do anything bad to me. And they're literally experiencing forgiveness, compassion of God through you. When you're able to do that, that's not you doing that. Humans without Jesus cannot do it. It's Jesus. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. So the kindness of God through you, they know they deserve bad things for what they did. But the kindness through you awakens their conscience and can lead them to repentance. They're experiencing the mercy of God. And it brings them to him, brings them to him convicts them. Part of the problem is many people have not seen examples like this. So they're stuck in a circle of just being mean to your enemies. We need to be the light that the world hasn't seen yet. We need to show love that the world hasn't seen yet. There's some people who say they're Christians, but they've never experienced this kind of love yet. This is the time God wants to show that love to them. We need to have the heart of Jesus, this heart of Jesus. That Can you imagine Jesus was persecuted by Saul? Saul was killing so many people who were Christians. And Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? He was persecuting Jesus. He was killing Jesus' beloved children, beloved disciples. He was mass murdering them. And he, all he says is, why are you persecuting me? And immediately, there's no grudge from God. There's immediately just love and mercy and compassion he shows him. He's convicted, Saul's convicted, and he immediately repents, like fully repents, not halfway, like fully repents. And that's why we see the, just this amazing grace of God over his life, because it was a full repentance that Paul had. Huge. He went from completely blind to completely seen, not halfway. Not half Pharisee in him anymore. He went from fully persecuting Jesus 100% to serving him like the best of any disciples, you know? But look, I mean, it's just so amazing. Jesus doesn't, like, punish him or anything. He's just like, I want to use you. And what, what happens is he blinds him. So he reveals himself to him. He says, why are you persecuting me? And in this moment, Saul knows, oh, my gosh, I've been persecuting Jesus this whole time. He, he already knows, but then he blinds him nat in, in the natural way, in the, his eyes, and he actually sends him to his servant. He says, go to Ananias, and he's going to open up your eyes. And so in Acts 9, 13, it says, Lord, Ananias answered. So God's saying to Ananias, I want you to open his eyes and, like, anoint him, you know? Like, he's, he's called to be used by me. So Lord, Ananias answered, 
I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he came here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. This guy? This is our biggest enemy. Can you imagine that? We have enemies, but they haven't killed us. They haven't killed our whole family in Christ almost. But that's what Ananias was experiencing right there. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. (laughs) God's like, yep, it's in the past. I don't care. This is my plan. He's going to be used powerfully for my name, for my glory. Yes, he did horrible things, but I've forgiven him completely. He's a new man, and I'm going to use him. I'm going to use him so powerfully. He's going to write most of the New Testament even. I'm going to use him so powerfully that in Acts 19.11, it says God did such extraordinary miracles through the hands of Apostle Paul that even they would bring handkerchiefs to his skin, lay him on the sick and demon possessed, and the sick would be healed, and the demons would flee. It's the only time where extraordinary, another translation says unusual, it's the only time an apostle or a disciple is is, is, is uh, described as walking in those kind of miracles. So this is our like wild compassion, forgiveness, redemption of our God. That's hard to even comprehend, you know? But that's our God. But like we have to, you know, Ananias was first like, what do you mean? Like all of us would be. But Ananias didn't argue with God. He quickly obeys. He says, whoa, okay, I'm confounded, but I'm childlike. He was childlike. He, he, he gave God permission to confound him. He confounded him. So he immediately opens his eyes and loves him as a brother in Christ. Look at the heart of Ananias. I think that's a special heart, don't you? That's the kind of heart that's rare today, but that's the kind of heart that God is calling us to have. This is why we have to love our enemies. Some of our enemies, God wants to use like Paul. <laughs> it's really quiet. Whoops. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, maybe not, but we got to be open to that possibility. We got to be okay with that. We got to have a heart for everyone to be restored. We don't know the reasons why people do the bad things they do. We're not God. We are called to something very simple, to have a pure heart and love our enemies. Forgive them. The Bible says forgive and you will be forgiven. Did you know that? So that means we have to forgive to be forgiven? There's a higher calling upon us than we really realize, I think, as the body of Christ. A higher calling to love our enemies, forgive our enemies, bless those who persecute us. And, and so I'm, I'm sharing now, how can we love our enemies? I just want to share with you, just takes intention. You don't have to feel mushy-gushy feelings. That's not what love means. Because I know many of you are in the physical realm and you think loving means like a natural love, like how you naturally love your children, your best friends, and your parents. But that's not what the definition of God's love is. It's choosing to love. 
It's choosing to be kind when people don't deserve it. It's choosing to not gossip and speak badly against them. It's choosing to, instead of cursing them, blessing them. You feel a different way inside, but you say, I bless them. You pray for them. May their eyes open up to God's love. May they see what they've done and be able to truly repent, just like how Saul could truly repent. And may they be restored. And may God still be able to use them so more people can come into the kingdom. We got to have that kind of heart too. Like, we can't, we can't reach all the people in this world. There's souls who are going to be Pauls out there that God has to reach people in the world. And we're going to see them in heaven. And they're going to say, I'm so glad that I encountered the ministry of Apostle Paul of today. And we're going to see them and we're going to be like confounded. You know? You see this kingdom heart we should have for the lost? We shouldn't have this selfish heart of like, well, I haven't done bad things like my enemies have, so I should be used powerfully by God and those people shouldn't. No, we, should, we need to have a heart for the lost, period. We need to understand that we need the whole body of Christ. We can't reach everybody on our own. We need to have the heart for the lost. We need to have the heart for the lost to be found who are mean to us and for them to be used by God to reach other lost people in the world. It's like a simple kind of heart we need to have. It's a different kind of focus where we're turning the focus off ourselves and looking at Jesus' heart. What does he want? Amen? Um, and I know that, like, in the Christian world, and some of you have experienced this. I've experienced it like never before, even this year. Persecution is real. It really happens. It really, really happens when you start walking in the anointing. God's shining a light upon you. He's lifting you. He's showing he's with you. Fruits are being seen in your life. And there are jealous Christians out there that are just like the Pharisees who will persecute, who will try to speak bad things against you, try to take you down. If you're ministers or if you have ministries, try to shut down your ministry. This will happen, and this I know has already happened to many of you. This will happen, so we need to be prepared. Amen? But the, the, the greatest advice I can give you is to keep a pure heart. You don't need to worry about lies um, standing when you keep a pure heart. The lies must fall but not if you become the lie. You know, like not if you become dirty in the heart and start attacking people back. People can see the dirt. It will be revealed. But if you can keep a pure heart, keep a pure heart towards your enemies, that will be revealed. That will be seen. So you don't need to worry about the truth not coming out. It will come out. Just keep your heart pure. And you will shine so bright. People can see. The real people of God can see you. You don't need to worry about those friends in your life that, that misunderstood you. They weren't supposed to be with you to make you go higher. 
You need people who can really see your heart. The pure in heart shall see God. You need pure people in your life. The pure recognize purity in your heart. Those are the people you want. Don't care about Pharisees who can't see the purity in you. They're not going to help you fulfill God's call for your life. It's better to have less friends than have a bunch of Pharisee friends. And they pollute. The Pharisee friends pollute. The gossip, the attacking, the accusation, they pollute the purity. Keep, keep yourself pure. And I said it takes intention. Just take intention. Watch your tongue. Be prepared for attacks that come, enemies that attack you. Be prepared. This is preparation for you right now. So that you're not taken off guard when it happens and you're like, how dare they? And you start speaking bad things and all it comes out of your mouth. You're being prepared right now. And start taking the intention right now. Be prepared for that day of the evil one where that Pharisee attack comes towards you. Be prepared for that day for you to not blow it. For you to not curse your enemy and reap curse on your life. Be prepared to speak only blessing and shut up. Be prepared to shut up. Be prepared to be silent. Be prepared to be still. Be prepared. I'm prepared for this. I thank God. I see how he prepared me. He took me through persecution and then a bigger one and then a bigger one. I thank God. He drained me up. I've been here before. I know what to do now. <laughs> shut up. Keep my heart pure. Do not look at what your enemy is doing. Stay focused on what God's called you to do. That's how you stay pure. That's how I've been able to keep, keep my heart pure. There's so much God's called me to do. There's so much God's called you to do. There's a lot. You do not need to be distracted with watching your enemies. Stay focused on what God's called you to do. And when you stay focused, that's where God is putting more of his spirit in you, transforming your heart more and more. You shine more and more. You keep your heart pure. You keep your heart pure. And your enemies are at the table watching you, but you're too high. You don't even see them. You're shining so bright, and your eyes are locked with Jesus, and the world gets to look and be amazed and be led to Jesus through your light. God's calling us to be different, to be pure to be pure through and through. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to love your enemies and bless your enemies. Maybe you've never done that before. Well, we're going to love our enemies today. We're going to bless them. Bless them. Now we, we understand now. God's taking care. They're not just getting away with, don't worry, but bless them. We don't want them to suffer. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to be used by God. Amen? Hallelujah. You can stand to your feet right now.